Okay, you do, you, I, you do hear it out loud on both sides. Um, but can you introduce yourself, Quan, by saying your name, where you're from, and the last song that you remember listening to? Um, so my name is Quan. Um, because my name sounds really Chinese, so like whenever you know I'm in China, people thought I was Chinese. Um, but I'm from Vietnam. I'm from a very small town in Vietnam called Hue. Fun fact, though, it used to be the old capital before they moved to Hanoi. Um, yeah, what's the last song that I listened to? Let me... Um, so the last song that I listened to was State Line by Nova Armour. I'm not sure if you heard of the song before. I haven't heard that song before. But I'll take a listen after this. Yeah, so it's it's nowhere. it's kind of like this very like indie-ish, sad kind of artist. Yeah, which is my taste, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, my second question is: Can you describe your journey to UWC CSC? What the application process was like? Um, if you had any expectations going in? Well, I, I apply through, I apply to UWC through the National Committee. Um, and at the time I was applying, I, cause at the time I was already like a senior in high school. So like when I apply, UWC was kind of like a second plan, like a backup plan. Um, but I always knew that in the back of my mind, it's, it's something that I wanted to do because I've had like my senior who went there and who was like very amazing. Um, but I also knew that it was like, extremely hard to get in because I've, I've had like classmates and friends who tried out for the uh, application and, and who I who were like very, very smart, intelligent, and like done like more amazing things than I did. And then who got rejected in like the second or the third round. And I was like, when I applied to UWC, I was just like, yeah, it's it's like my last chance. And I I don't, you know, you never know if you never tried. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna like give it a shot um, and see how it goes. I I didn't really expect it that much out of the process because I, I, I was just going in with like a kind of like this, like if I have it, then great. And if I don't, then it's all right, kind of mindset. And so I think my, my application went very smoothly. Like I didn't really expect to have such a smooth kind of application because, you know, I feel like you know, you know, UC application, it's just so much different than like other type of application because here, for example, if people from Vietnam were applying to college, they would be like showing off their resume and activities and what kind of big achievement that they had. And when I was doing that, I was kind of like showing more of my personality and my interest in that. And I didn't really expect that I would get it. Um, but here I am, I guess. Yeah. Nice. Um, what is something you were surprised by or happy about going into UWC CSC? 
I was, I think the friendship that I made and also how much, okay, I, I, I'd say two things. So the first one is like the friendship that I made. And the second one is how, how much like learning for the sake of learning that I've got from UWC. Like, okay, so let's start with the first one. So when I was here and like doing high school, I was sort of like very isolated because I didn't really fit in with my class. Um, so I spent like the three years of high school kind of like just isolating myself and everyone. And no one, I, I think no one, it, it was like my class didn't really know me because I was like constantly like away from class because I didn't really fit in with them. Um, so when I, I think that sort of affected me in a way because I sort of I carry that mindset into UWC thinking that I'm like I'm I'm like I wouldn't be able to make friends and all of that but then when I came here it was just it was just so much different like I remember being you know learning to be vulnerable in front of people and and that's that's how you know friendships are made through close connections and vulnerability um and coming here it's just like like a very different experience where i've had people who knock on my door randomly and who came in every saturday morning to wake me up and then we came to the canteen together or when I was sick, I remember once that I was sick, I told a friend that I was sick. And then the minute that I got back to my room, she put a bag of medicine along with a note on my bag, on, on my bed. And I was just super moved. And I yeah, I was just very surprised at how how much genuine people are here. You know? Um and I think the second thing would be learning for the sake of learning because when I was here, everyone was, they kind of like they have, they, they were living on this like scarcity mindset. Like you have to achieve X, Y, Z and you, you have to like, you know, attach yourself with prestige and then like these, you know, things that other people are also doing. So there's like no room for like individualistic quality. Um, so in a sense, I was, because of that, I was kind of like going along with the rat race, but coming to UWC, I feel like I figure out um, what I wanted to do academically. And I also, because of like some of the teachers were like really amazing, for example, like Anthony, I would not never, I would like never be able to shut up about Anthony, but anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, yeah, so he he inspired me a lot um, to dive deeper into things and to to think for myself. And because of that, I was also able to explore a different kind of like a different world than and also like a different narrative than the one that I was limited to back then. Yeah. So it seemed like you were able to kind of like explore more than ask, you know, I guess in 
theory of knowledge in English ask questions about the questions <laughs> um, kind of just get a broader perspective um, I forgot to I mean for the listeners here um, all of my international friends are all fluent in their homeland language but also English because for every UWC it's required to be fluent in English so Kwan did you learn English like in school or I know some people kind of were self-taught because you're very much fluent in English also. I think I've always, I've always been this kid who's like very like interested in languages in general. Um, so like English was my first exposure as like this, because like a different language than my native language. Um, at a time, I would I I remember I was just like I was just figuring out ways where I could get better. Um, so it's it's like a very long journey because I had to like try to move away from this kind of traditional ways that you learn languages. So like for example, like if when for example like we learn Chinese right and we always focus on like grammar or like like vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So I I try for me um for I try to devise my own ways of learning languages and to make languages as fun as possible. Um, so I guess for English, it was just, I, I started listening to like a lot of podcasts and TV shows that I like. And also I was kind of like, like a bookworm kind of person. So I, instead of like, reading books in Vietnamese, I started slowly transitioning into reading books in English. And because of that, I feel like my world also brought because there's like a lot of like things in English that aren't like available in my native language. Mm. Yeah. So that, that was when like English kind of took off for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's incredible whenever I hear people talk about um, either like self-studying or in school just learning English because they were genuinely interested in it um, if there was a holiday or event from UWCCSE you'd want to bring to Carleton where you're going in the fall um, what would it be and why um, we didn't have that much holiday like okay, so I remember we have we have we have like you know cultural weeks like different cultural weeks. Um, then we have the moon festival. Right. Um, wait, what 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 are the traditions that we had at CSC? Okay, so traditions, there was, like, for U.S. people, like, Thanksgiving. Then there was, um, I'm trying to think about the ones that we did have in person in the four months we were there. <laughs> um, we had Pride Week, I think, or, yeah, for a week. And then we had Latin American Cultural Week. We had the Language Tables. Um, I'm trying to think. We had we also had UWC Day slash the first assembly. 
and the um, Chinese New Year performance. The oh, the Chinese Cultural Evening. That's right. what it was called. Um, and then amongst that, there was like Santa Claus, Golden Week, and I think that's most of them from the time that we were there. That's not open mic. It's it's kind of like a CSC tradition. Is that? Yeah, I think there's there's like one or there's two to three people I think who are working on like writing down all of the traditions oh. and stuff. Oh right, right, right. I I'm I'm trying to remember, but I, I guess an event that I really love was big talk because I, I feel like I was that kind of person that couldn't really connect with people like I you know like casually um, but like whenever I, I talk to people and I, I interact with them I kind of like start off in like into like deep conversations and all of that which a lot of people are not very comfortable with it so I think Big Talk would be uh, an event that I, I'd i like to have at Carlton because it, it really allows me to get to know them on just like a surface level. Yeah. I think in the last episode I did, then someone mentioned having tea time. I think at CSC, hey. I, only, I think I only had like two tea times at CSC. <clears throat> but I feel like those are just a good way of getting to know someone who you really don't know but goes to the same school as you or might be in the same club as you and it's not weird to talk to someone that you don't really know because because of the concept of tea time where you're supposed to you know like bond or just chat normally even if it's even if it goes into like deep conversation because I had I mean I'm pretty sure both of us had a lot of those at CSU were turns into like a conversation on the couch and then like eventually to the balcony you just go like deep deep into the feelings that you know had no you had no clue could arise um but yeah I like that you pointed out big talk because just when you're meeting when I meet someone at least I want to get an idea of the way that they think or something that they think about but not strictly academic and um that actually goes well into my next question which was you came to me talking about this book called (laughs) about this book called just us by claudia rankin who she wrote one of for those listening she wrote one of the books that we had to read in our english class um right? Yeah, she, and the book covers racism in the United States a little bit. So let me ask before we dive into that, um, what, as someone who, you know, isn't from the U.S., what pops into your head when you think of the United States? Because I've heard from other UWC people that they sort of think it's like a myth or a made-up place. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, 
feel like from where I was from, um, it was kind of like a very small town. And so when people talked about, you know, like the US or UK or like other bigger countries, they, they had this sort of like notions of like American dream of like where they could get like a better life um, or they could like live up their potentials and all of that. Um, I, I guess I used to have that once um, before, but that, I guess that was kind of like influenced a lot by where I was growing up. Um, I, I don't know, like, I feel like now that I thought of like the US, it's, it's kind of like this melting pot of just, there, there isn't like a definite, like, kind of like, like a definite structure or, 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 or thing that could be said about the US or, yeah, because it's, it's just a mixture of everything. Um, but I guess as a, I guess as a person of color, um, there's also like fear of coming to, to the US because like you, you've heard a lot of like, like violence and all of that cover on the press. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess that's, that's my take on it. While you've been reading this book, could you maybe sum up the things that it's discussed about racism in the U.S. so far? So, like, Claudia Rankin herself is, uh, um, so she's Black. Um, so mostly the book revolves around how Black people are mistreated and, in a way, um, living up this kind of like societal I wouldn't I wouldn't say demand but like societal these like very invisible societal prejudices or 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 I wouldn't okay notions of like white culture like white assimilation and all of that and she she talks about how race is implied in every conversation or every situation um, if you're a person of color. And I, I think in a way it's, she dives a lot deeper and into every single conversations possible and every, scenario as possible and, and at sometimes I, I try to kind of like detach myself from the book a little bit because I find myself also feeling this surge of like anger and, and surge of like very strong emotions um yeah so I, I guess that's like it's it's a lot about it's it's a lot of stuff like as you as you know in don't let me be lonely. It's like a mixture of like jumble things. They 
they somehow they they talked a lot about their experience. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's like from her point of view, basically, as like a woman of color. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, it's. I think it's funny how you say melting pot because, um, I mean, like we we had off screen before this about me writing about racism in my college essay um, or a couple college essays. Uh, my mom was saying that um, while I w really wanted to discuss the importance of racism in the US, then the whole essay couldn't be like all negative and very, you know, like angry and upsetting. But the, one of the things I included or that she had the idea of quote of including, which you actually quoted, was that the U.S. is more of a melting pot than people think. Like when I was actually presenting um, something at Project Week. So for those who don't know, um, Project Week, at least for United Book College Chengshu, China, is when we go to different parts, different parts of China, and go to like elementary or middle school. Um, schools and then we could present on topics that we were interested in and it could be educational like math science um you know like biology the arts but for my advisors at least they said that we could have a little bit more freedom and i actually presented mine on i guess stereotypes of america so on one of the slides um, I had what people expect of America. So I included like cowboy boots and just a bunch of French fries and um, stock pictures of white people. But then in the reality, I included um, some of my favorite foods, like Asian foods, Mexican food, Italian food, and tried to include as much diversity as possible because I guess in from what I heard in China, they wanted to learn, these kids were eager to learn about international things and things that they were very foreign with. And they were even fascinated by people in my group who didn't have the same skin tone as them. So I think, I mean, back to that point of a melting pot, do you think that in the international media that the US is more portrayed as just white people or do you think it actually covers that yeah there are you know multiple ethnicities living in this country i think i think as a result of post-colonialism um so far that i've experienced in the media like in vietnam and both in other places, especially like Southeast Asian, there's like this, a majority of the attentions are being close to like, you know, being white. Um, so for example, I was teaching at BuzzKid. So BuzzKid, um, it's kind of like this uh, online teaching platform in China where you kind of taught Chinese students English and they have like, before any sessions, they have like this 
kind of like pre-made PowerPoints. And in, I swear that in all of their lessons and PowerPoints, they're all like images of like white people and, and, and like the names are all like white. Like they, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's even mentions of like Chinese people's name. And I was just very surprised at that. I was, I, and that of course also influenced the students. So like whenever I, I talk to them, oh, where, which is the place that you want to go to the most or, or what's your favorite destination in the world? And they're like, oh, the US because they're, they're rich and they're, they're, yeah. So I felt like so much there, so much it's left that as a result of post-colonialism, it's being imposed on people in other countries that, you know, not only the US, but like, you know, white culture in general, it's something that they should pay for. Mm. Does that, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm really surprised about that buzz kid thing that you mentioned about, you know, the PowerPoints just only having white people. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, I've been trying to read more articles about um like how we combat systemic racism because you know especially with when the murder of um george floyd was in 2020 the way that so many news articles were saying like black lives matter and racism needs to stop then all my head was thinking was okay we're gonna say this but then eventually the news is going to go die down and then just go back to like normal stuff and not emphasize that our country has systemic racism and has for decades on end and I don't know just I think I was talking with Alex my co-year about this my friend Alex is from Florida how as people who have been uh has have been with international friends who have people who aren't born and raised in the US, then seeing the contrast feels like a bit embarrassing and something that, you know, shouldn't even be an issue in the first place. Because I don't know, do you think that I don't know, let's say, let's say you turn on the news someday, right? Like Vietnamese news, but then it's covering something about the US. Do you think that um, based on, you know, how international countries portray the US influences um, greatly how people, you know, see or may change their minds about the, like the quote, American dream? If people will change their mind, or, or how much of an influence do you think international ha- media has on the American dream or U.S. based off of like their perspective of the U.S. I guess if that makes sense. Wait, can, I I, I kind of still don't really get your question. So, how much do you think media? like international media influences 
people's perspective on the U.S. A lot. <laughs> like, for example, let's say in the last presidential candidate selection, right? Um, like, <laughs> this is so hilarious to say, but like, because of the media influence, like in Vietnam, like, because I, I don't know for what reason, but then everyone was making a bet between Trump and Biden, right? And then most Vietnamese people, um, I, I don't know if, if, if that's because of their ignorance or whatever, they supported Trump. They didn't know anything about Trump, but they, they said it as if it was like their president. And there are like jokes and memes on media where there's like, oh, that's like the last state, like Vietnam's like the last U.S. state that helps Trump win presidency. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with media and how how much you know. Um, I'd say race and power and politics like one-sided politics it's 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 kind of like manifesting in international media mm. yeah do you think that um you know based off the vietnamese media that you've seen if it's more um is it closer to just showing the left wing side or the right wing? I'd say, I wouldn't say the left wing side or the right wing side. It's more like pe- people who are insider and people who are outsider. Mm-hmm. For those Vietnamese who are not aware of the situation or who hasn't been to the US themselves, uh, are more of like you know, so that spectrum of, of just like doing whatever the media is doing, but for those who are aware, uh, and who knows of like racism and stuff, they're they're more like inclined to challenge whatever beliefs or assumptions that the media is imposing on them hmm. yeah. oh yeah i get what you're saying so they kind of believe basically what they see on media yeah. not the u.s yeah okay um what do you think was well maybe i could just ask you about your opinion directly um what was going through your mind when you saw maybe stuff on the news about George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter marches. I feel like, okay, this, I feel like, okay, at first when I, I guess my experience was that at first I couldn't feel as much because like I, I, I am aware of it and I'm aware of these racist problems, but in a sense, I'm not an insider. So it's, for me at first, it kind of felt like 
I was like a tourist, you know, in, in a sense that I, I could see it, but I, I, I wasn't the one who's like experiencing it directly. Um, but I guess when I, when I read into other like sources and books, for example, like just us, I could feel in a way and in a way like lift that experience that not only Claudia Rankin has been experiencing, but also other, you know, people that's like insider. Because even, you know, even say in the US, um, people of color are are kind of discriminated, but there's like different levels, you know, so like not not no one race, no race is like the same as the other. So like for example, if you're Hispanic, then you're, you're the level of discrimination is like different than if you're say black or Asian. So in a sense, I that book sort of helped me understand and also helped me kind of like feel the experience of racism, especially against black people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's sir something that I didn't that you know kind of like you I didn't see or recognize until I was growing up that because I was a person of color I was you know like treated differently just because of how I looked and because I was a girl like in in middle school um you know I, I got good grades I had maybe like there's like two people from my middle school who I talked to today. The rest I don't think I have seen in some years, but I didn't realize until I was even in high school or maybe in the last couple of years when I was in CSC that there were kids who were like racist towards me or that they basically had expectations for me because I was a girl. So um, basically in middle school, there were a couple of times where some kids who didn't like me, like basically we sat in, in most of our, in one of our classes we sat where it was like a open square, except one side was missing because that was where the whiteboard was and the teacher. Right, so we were all facing her, and then um, in the row in front of me for a while were these two kids who, for some reason, I still don't know the reason, they just didn't like me. And um, out of, like, what they would do was, like, try to annoy me or piss me off, right? And it was when I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade where they sat next to each other, like these two specific people who didn't like me. And one time, one of them, I don't know, after I maybe like answered a question in English class, right? One of them turned around and pulled his eyes back. And I remember thinking, what does he think about me? Like he has to do that. Or what was the point of that? And, you know, in middle school, I found it to be very, very easy. You know, I had um, like really good grades. And so whenever a teacher asked to um, 
for someone to answer a question, if I knew the answer, especially in science or math class, I would raise my hand very quickly and say like, I knew the answer. Like if, you know, if no one else knew it, but then I just wanted to give the answer. Um, and I had some group of guys in my middle school class say like, calm down or like simmer down. Like they yell it at the top of their lungs in front of the entire class. And there'd just be like these mumbles and giggles afterwards. And then I remember thinking, there's, stop telling me to calm down. Like, I'm fine, I'm just answering a question. And one of the guys from my middle school when I was in my, either my first or second year of high school. So when I was in ninth or 10th grade was when I went through this process called confirmation because I'm Catholic. So most of the people who I went to middle school with also went to confirmation with me. And there's this one guy from my middle school who I barely even talked to him in middle school. We didn't, we weren't really acquaintances, I guess. And he started asking me like what classes I was taking. And we were just having a normal conversation saying what we were gonna do over the summer. And he asked if I knew what I wanted to major in. I said, yeah, computer science. I'm actually um, gonna be taking like a computer science course this summer or like a summer program. And he said, why? I said, why not? <laughs> he goes, but you like computer science, but you're a girl. And basically summer 2018, um, when I went to the summer program, then in the last week, it was maybe seven to eight weeks, um, me and the group, the group that I was um, selected with, we were supposed to make these either like a game or an app or a website that we were presenting to all of our friends and um, all of our parents. So something that me and my selected group the reason why we joined together was because the our ideas for projects were all based on race and gender. So then our website was called You're Not Imagining It because um, fun fact, each of the people in my group were women, but also we were all people of color. So our website addressed like microaggressions and gave we actually gave story examples of times that we face microaggressions. But the, th the thing is when George Floyd, like the news about George Floyd came out and when people were, when Trump was saying like the Chinese virus and COVID sort of started reaching the US beginning of like January, February, 2020, then even if me and my family were just walking around the supermarket or walking in, you know, a popular store like Target or Walmart, then we would get stares from people. And that was before we even had to wear masks at all. And I just remember thinking like, why are all these people staring at us? And then thinking, and then the news came up the next day about like Trump shouting that it was some Chinese virus and that it was just going to go away in an instant and that it was going to be taken care of because as people know he didn't handle COVID well so 
yeah, I just remember like actually sort of fearing for my life for the first time because I had faced microaggressions in, you know, previous years before that, but not to the extent where, you know, people would get, who would look like they were verbally upset with me, even though they didn't know me, you know? So have you, you know, at, in Vietnam heard of, um, like a story about a person of color in America that kind of hit you and then sort of sparked like this systemic racism thing is seriously real, you know? Sorry, okay. Um I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, like, I know that people here, they're, they're aware of it. Um, they're aware of the systematic racism and what was happening in the US, especially, especially in the light of like the, of the Asian hate. Um, but they're, as I said, they're, they're not an insider. So it's it, it kind of, it's just remains on the surface. They're, they have yet to really experience what it's like. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, in a way I, I see that racism manifested here was on the level. So let, let's say, You have like expat living in Vietnam, right? So like international expat, mm -hmm. um, and I don't I don't know why, but like Vietnamese people kind of see these expat as like more kind of like superior to them, um, and they kind of like they wanna. So usually with these expat or like foreigners, they they treat them nicer. Uh, then if, if there's to say like a, a Vietnamese people, like for example, if, if a Vietnamese people walking in to like a cafe, they'd be like, oh, it's he's Vietnamese and they wouldn't really treat him as nice as like say a foreigner or an expat. And usually like expat sort of, they, they form like a community and they also like distance themselves from like, Vietnamese people in the community. So I guess that's in one way was how I could see racism and especially internalized racism manifested here in Vietnam. I, I also have a question though. Um, so you talked about, you know, you having good grades and you talked about um, how you were, how your intended major was kind of like questioned just because you're a girl. So how, in what ways do you think that all these um, prejudices, um, whether 
racism or gender-based influence you as a person? Like, for example, as an Asian American, I assume that you must have, like other people must have had these expectations that, oh, you're Asian in math and science and, and, and yeah. So like, how does these prejudices influence you as you were growing up? Like, as in, how does it influence the way you think, the way you act, and how, how do you combat with it yourself? In, in what ways have you taken the initiative to challenge these or, or to unlearn these like prejudices that were imposed on you? Yeah, that's, that's a really um, loaded but good question. Um, I feel like just like, you know, bef- before I even knew what the word racism was or sexism was right then i grew up in an asian family um my mom is chinese and my dad's japanese so i guess this this probably isn't even a race thing but growing up i always wanted to work hard i always wanted i wanted to be one of the smart people and that was before I even knew about, you know, the stereotype, right? Because my parents told me to get good grades, then you can um, get a good education and then good job and you get money. So, um, you know, even before like sports and stuff, I always prioritized school because um, I thought, um, you know, in, in high school, I eventually... Um, drop sports because I wanted to prioritize school and when I was at CSC because I was with international people again and I surround myself with you know people who I trusted then I started getting into sports again and I think with you know in middle school and high school with the like the smart math and science Asian stereotype and you know, the sexism of why would you want to be in STEM because you're a girl, right? Then when I started learning about what the th- what those things was, what those things were, and kind of the assumptions that were being made before people even had deep conversations with me or got to know me, it seemed like their expectations were already set and that I couldn't really change their mind like looking back on the people I know from my middle school, it seems like even if they knew about this, at least certain people, right? That if they knew about how much I changed between then and now, that they'd still see me as that same person and the person who, you know, quote unquote, gets to, um, gets too energetic about school or is too like crazy about always getting the right answer, right? So it seems like with with being a person of color and a woman, it seems like people already have their minds set on you. But the thing is when I got to CSC, I expected everyone to just 
well, I try not to go in with this expectation, right? But I, something I kind of feared was people would make assumptions about me just because I was from the U.S. Um, but what I try to do and what my parents encouraged me to do was use the fact that I was a person of color as kind of like a power strike. Like I'm not the basic stereotypic stereotypical person and yes I like to work hard but that doesn't mean that I fit into every single box that people may think of you know so when I got to CSC and even with people I'm meeting in college group chats and um, this really close friend group of mine who were actually um, all we're actually all people of color and we met at a summer program in 2019, right before I went to CSC. Um, you know, I think the way to, the way that I've combated those um, racial and gender specific expectations were just being myself and being natural and letting people get to know me based off my personality and not just the way that I look, not, the size of my eyes or by my brain because um you know I, I realized after my first high school that if you get a wrong feeling about people or if people don't reciprocate the same you know like compassion or like generosity or kindness that you do to them if they're just treating you poorly then it's not worth something trying to maintain you get what I'm saying? So I guess, I don't know if that's just like a friendship thing, but what I do personally is I've been caring not, not about the expectations, but what people see past visual surface level. Like, I mean, like how you were saying that people in Vietnam just see the surface level media and they kind of absorb it. But I think that, you know, for people who maybe aren't people of color or maybe like people within, who are international, like not in the US, right? What they can do to combat racism. I saw an article on this was, it has like, it gave three bullet points, which were like, educate yourself to deepen the understanding of systemic racism. Basically not trying to look at service level, not just reading an article title and then going past it, right? Like, I mean, kind of like what you're doing, you're educating yourself by reading this book by someone who's a person of color and a woman, right? And the second point that I had was start conversations, which I think means talking about these serious topics that people are very uncomfortable with because one of the reasons, you know, I started this podcast was to talk about my friends who are international, who have different experiences, but also point out things that aren't normally talked about in day to day. And the third point that the article had was to get involved in the community, which I think is if you can't donate to a, um, to a certain cause, that you believe in, and it could be petitioning or protesting or what is found most common 
I guess, since 2020 was sharing social media posts. You know, so I guess a, a question I have for you as, you know, someone who is looking from an outsider perspective, what do you think is something that an insider like me or other people within the US could do to combat this systemic racism? I think it's not, it's not only, it's not only racism against say color or skin, but it, it applies to like other marginalized community. Uh, so I was, for my, for my EE extended essay, um, I did it on uh, disabled community. So I was analyzing this book about a person who was um, disabled. He, he was intellectually disabled and he was like, kind of like discriminated by everyone. Um, but then when he, he, it was like a science fiction. So then this disabled person then gained like his kind of like intellectual superiority after like a clinical trial. And then he became like super intelligent. But at, at that point, um, he was also alienated by other people. So we can see that, you know, these, these scales of like societal normality, it's not constant. And it also, this book also proves that these nor normal standards are, are in a way very fickle and it's also average. Like, you know, when you're, for example, let's say with this, this guy, like when he was disabled, he, he was looked down on, but then now that he's more intelligent, he's even, he's he, like, in this case, he's the one who is looking down on other people, but then he was also still very alienated. Um, so at the end of that essay, there was this, this detail um, where that guy, he was able to like, you know, reconcile with not only himself, but also other people. So I feel like it's, it's kind of like this both internal and external process. Like you said, first you have to notice it within yourself and you have to be aware of it. Um, and then once you're aware of it, you make ways to to change and challenge these like preconditions beliefs that you have. But it's it's it sounds like a kind of like this perfect world kind of scenario, you know? Um, I know that we're a long way to go from it, but I think it's the way to go. Like, you know, it's next internal change and an external change. On that note, I am so sorry, but I have a class right now that I have to teach um, that I might have to go, but I, it was really great um, talking to you and, and thank you so much for inviting me to one of your podcasts.
thank you. It was it was great having you on and going so deep into this conversation. But um, yeah, have fun in your class and listeners. We will catch you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.